Welcome to episode four of the Dynasty Dad podcast. My name is Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore Dad FF. And I'm excited to announce we have our first guest on today. And I want to welcome to the show the boss, the founder, the, the co-host of the Dynasty Happy Hour, Tyler Gunther. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Great, great. We were talking beforehand. I mean, this is the most ginger you can get on one podcast, you know, so good thing we're recording at nighttime. We had to get a permit. So, <laughs> I mean, we, we're only allowed about 30 minutes. And uh, like like I told him, I'm under fluorescent lights. So 30 minutes is going to be long overdue. There's a good chance I'm going to leave burnt. <laughs> See, I don't think people realize what it's like trying to uh, go to the beach and do those kind of things. But so why don't you tell the listeners, you know, how you got your start in fantasy football and, and how it's progressed into obviously building what you have at Dynasty Happy Hour at this point? Yeah, I... I joined a, a dynasty league about in 2011. It was Julio's rookie year. And I remember having a friend. I, I love Madden. I, I'm, I think all dynasty players love Madden. And I loved, I love Madden. I love the team build aspect. And all I did in Madden was trade like that. I did off season trade. And then it was just like boring. I know my so, buddies used to harass me about that. You're just on there for hours making trades yeah. and they're like with a, with a computer system that was just accepting anything anyways, but that's kind of that's how true. we all got going. Yeah, that's true. And, and my buddy came up to me, I was doing redraft a little bit. He goes, Hey, you got to try this dynasty thing. And I said, I don't know. I, I'm not big in the fantasy. And he goes, just, just try it. So I, I decided to join the league and the, the rest is history. I mean, I joined, I took over an orphan. It sucked. I mean, this team was bad. It was not good. And then, yeah, I built it, won a championship in 2015. And that's when I decided, you know, I love trading. And I think I've kind of got trading down. I would love to share my strategy with people. And that's when I joined Dynasty Nerds. Started writing for them. Then they took a chance on me with ranking and being a bigger part of the team. And I'm forever grateful for for Rich for that and and give me a chance to grow with them. And I, I still remember getting shouted out by Rich on the podcast. And I just thought it was the like I, I text my buddy too, who who had me join this dynasty league. I said, dude, listen to this week's episode of Dynasty Energy. Cause he it was a staple for him too. And he's just like, No way. And yeah, like uh, I had my name said, I'm like, this is insane. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a special and, feeling. I remember the first time I was like, I sent in even a listener question to Dynasty Trade Calculator and they read my name and I'm like, oh, yo, yo, kids, come over here. You got to check us out. They yeah. actually said my name, you know, and it's like, that's one thing I'm really big on at Dynasty Refinery and, and you know, doing the Dynasty Dad podcast is giving people shout outs when they send their qu listener questions and, you know, say their actual name and, and give them a little bit because we're all in this, you know, Dynasty community together. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought up 2015 because that's when I actually got my start and my first league was with you, you know, and I, I remember true, uh, yeah. the dynasty professor got me into dynasty, you know, and it was, we were in a bunch of, uh, you know, redraft leagues together. And he's like, you got to try this, man. He's like, you're good at this. And, uh, you know, I got into that league and I just remember just being blown away because it was you and, and Chris Whitman and John Bosch. And it was almost all writers. And I was in there and it was like, the group chat was wild, you know, that yeah. first, being my first, you know, dynasty startup you guys made like a thousand trades and i'm like yo i don't know where i should be with this you know i was the, the new kid on the block and uh i remember i told a story on go district the other day i remember my sofa actually like almost caught on fire because i'm 
I, my kids would like push it right up against the sofa and I'm like trying to make some dynasty trades here. And it was like, it was a blast. And I enjoyed being part of that process. And, you know, I, I going from there to now, you know, I got to thank you for, you know, giving me a shot to write over at dynasty happy hour and kind of, you know, giving me a shout out. And I appreciate those kind of things. Cause now I'm kind of doing that to a new group. So it's just yep. the dynasty community is phenomenal at that. I mean, everybody building each other up and, you know, making each, it's, they're not even worried about your your work versus their work. It's just building it up as a community, and I love it. Yeah, I think what a lot of people are getting better at, too, is is if you have a certain take, a lot of people are getting really good at not bashing it. Like Just like, yeah. okay, I, I understand. And the thing I, I told a friend of mine at work yesterday, and I said, the thing about Dynasty is you have to, like, in order to to be solidified is you have to have your guys. Like if you're in a league with people, people got to look at you and be like, that's Tyler's guy. Like Tyler loves this guy. I'm not getting him off his team. Like it, once you're in that kind of realm, like when people know your dudes, it, it, it kind of feels like, okay, you, you have a flag planted on people and like that kind of makes you, like, okay, he's standing by it. He's wrong. He's right. He's standing by his guy. And I think that's what everybody needs to have in, in today's industry is like, you're in a league with people that people look at you and like, okay, I, I, that's your guy. Like I, DeAndre Swift this year. Hey, Tyler's going to draft DeAndre Swift at 103. If I want him, I got to get him at 102. And nobody's going to do that. So like, it's okay to dip your toe in the water and take a chance on a player that you actually like. Yeah. If it doesn't pan out, man up, admit to your choice, admit to your choice, admit that you're wrong, unless it's Corey Clement. But other than that, like, <laughs> I do admit that. That, yeah, admit that you're wrong. Hey, Miles Sanders is hurt. Corey Clement has a chance. <laughs> he's, he's the RB three there. Um, you know, like we we just got to our 10,000 downloaded dynasty refinery. And that's something that I'm really into now is like in the beginning, when you first do it, you're like, well, I got to make sure I'm kind of close to everybody else. And then you're like, no, you know, you got to stay true to your heart. You got to do what your guys are. You got to plant your flags on your guys. And, you know, and that's when you, you know, you're actually starting to progress and, and, and do some things. And we're going to talk about some running backs here. We're going to plant our flags on, but before we do that, this is the dynasty dad pod, you know, and I have, I wanted you to be my first guest because I know, you know, you have three kids and why don't you tell me a little bit about, you know, what your, your, your particular experience with dad life and how that pertains to football and mixing in your career and, you know, a little bit of that backstory. Well, I had kids, we decided we sold them. We would sell them. We had some housework we had to do. So we, we took the money we ran and uh yeah so we're gonna money on that i got four so i mean if if the money's right i mean it's like tax returns you get you get like a thousand per kid (laughs) (laughs) in all honesty my kids are awesome i love them i i actually just got in my daughter's room like 15 minutes ago because we're laughing and joking around when i was laying her down and and it's it's those things that it may be hard like during the day they're not listening they're not doing these things but Man, when you get one on one with a kid, it's like they're different. They're a different kid altogether because they're not trying to impress their sibling, trying to get attention. It's just like full throttle, all them, and it's awesome. Yeah, no I think kids. That's, are- that's the hardest thing when you have. I mean, I have four, and it's like it's a different dynamic when all four of them are there because they all want dad's attention. You know, the thirteen-year-old wants yeah. me to play Fortnite. The seven-year-old wants me to, you know play Spider-Man toys and you're trying to be super dad bounce all over the place. But it's those one-on-one experiences that like they stick out in your mind, they stick out in your heart. And it's like, that's what it's all about. 
Yeah. And, and honestly, I wouldn't be able to do this without my, my wife. I mean, yeah, I, there's every Sunday I, I work evening. So from 5 PM to 1 30 AM during the week I work and it saves us on daycare, which is huge. Yeah. I mean, we save thousands upon thousands of dollars just doing this. It sucks for me because I get five hours of sleep at most per, per weekday, but I think I've gotten used to that. I think I, I look older than what I actually am, but I, I feel like I'm getting used to it. My, my time to bounce back comes because I hear from other dads that their kids are older. They say, you'll get your time. You'll get, you know, you'll, you'll kind of recover after that initial time. So, yeah, uh, it, yeah, it's true because when you, when it, I know when you and Chris were fil- forming dynasty happy hour, you know, when I got in that first league and to me, it was like, man, I don't, I can't do those kind of things because my kids were all super young at that age. And now that they're getting a little bit older, you actually do get to sleep a little bit, you know, <laughs> and it's like yeah. a nice experience. You actually get to go to bed and, and uh, you don't have to be waking up every couple hours. But yeah, that's fantastic. You know, I got my draft board here behind me and I, on my four kids, we do a family draft, you know, and it's going to happen actually this Friday and they all put on their jerseys. We order pizza, you know, we do it like the guys and they, they absolutely love playing fantasy football. And, and it's like, they're growing with it. You know, they understand that yeah. dad's doing a podcast now and they, they like, you know, partaking in those kind of things. And, and, and then, the, and then when you pass, they can fight over your dynasty teams. That's right. In I remember the will, talking, like, yeah, I remember you talking about that with wills and I was joking around with my kids. I'm like, listen, I got 15 teams, you know, these are the ones <laughs> that you get. these are, I mean, there's, there's some money makers here. You know what I mean? So I'm making sure this doesn't go to my ex-wife. This is going to you guys. So we'll, uh, yeah, no, that's, turn those that's teams true. Over. No, that that's completely true because I if you've got a dominant team, like I've I've got a home league team that I'm I'm consistent in the championship. I've been there the past three years. And yeah, so who whatever kid is best, I mean my son, <laughs> my son can be a little devil sometimes. So my my oldest so far is in the lead. So uh, whoever wants it can get it. But yeah, it's it's it, that's what I hope. If it, if my son doesn't or my daughter doesn't get into it, oh well. But I mean, it's like every fantasy player's dream to have their kid get into the quote unquote family business. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's it's like uh, LeBron waiting for his kid to come in. We're just waiting for our kids to get into our dynasty league. A little bit, a little bit yes. smaller scale there, you know. But my oldest has won it, you know, all four years we played. But last year. My youngest actually won it. And now they're starting to come to me for advice. It's hilarious. You know, they're like, you know, who do we take here? You know, these are the guys. And I was, I was FaceTiming them before I got on here with you. And my son's like, I know who I'm taking with my first pick, you know? So it's, it's just a lot of fun. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of funny because uh, it's a redraft and we're mainly dynasty, but my, my one redraft I have, it, it's awesome. Last night, my, my, my buddy I work with, he's the, he's the commissioner and He's like, I got to randomize the draft order and he's going on a trip today. So last night he decided to do it. And after he did it, he just kind of stared at me from across the room and just like with this glare. And I go, I got one one, didn't I? And he goes, yes, I won it last year too. So I'm like, oh, yes. And uh, I'm actually going to come to you for advice. I need to keep two players. I got Miles Sanders, Tyreek Hill and Julio Jones that I'm deciding between to keep. Who do I My- keep? Miles Sanders for sure. It's full PPR, obviously. And I have 101, so Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to me is the 101 pick in this this draft. Yeah, so I mean, I mean for me, I'm, keepers. 
I'm I'm pounding those running backs early. You know what I mean? Like all of my redraft philosophy and my Scott Fishbowl, you know, I went running back early and I love Julio and Tyreek. And I think that would separate you a little bit. I feel like you know, Julio Jones is going to ball out this year. I mean, the stats oh, yeah. that he put up and then 258 vacated targets in Atlanta. I mean, you can't really go wrong with any of those. But for me, I would say Miles Sanders and Julio. Yeah, that's actually what my choice is. And then with the Miles Sanders injury, it, it kind of like made yeah. me think, is he going to be? No, I got to stick with it because having Miles Sanders and Clyde Edwards Hilaire as my running backs will be pretty nice. Yeah, I'm my my redraft league. I'm actually I've been in the championship five of the, or six of the last seven years, including five straight losses. I, they all harass me because I do the podcast and do all the extra stuff. And I've lost six of the last seven championships. <laughs> like, I is there anything there and then I lose every year? There is nothing worse than being in a home league, making the championship or even being dead last. Yeah. And then having people come after you and be like, I thought you did a podcast. I thought you knew what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, the league is 19 years old, right? I've missed the playoffs once. And that was when I had my divorce. And let's say it wasn't the best draft, you know, and I've been in the championship 14 years. So you think they'd have a little bit of respect, but no, every time it's like, you you got the podcast, you write, you don't even win the league. I'm like, I come in second every year. Yeah. No, I, speaking of worst drafts, there was one time it was, I got into a fantasy league and then I didn't even realize, I thought the draft was supposed to be in, I, like I was, for some reason I was Eastern time thinking and I'm up here in Minnesota. So I, I'm sitting here thinking, God, the draft starts in like 30 minutes and everybody's like chatting in the draft room chat. I'm like, what the hell? I look, I've drafted two Jaguars receivers like the that's never the a good Sims. Start. What what is it? Something Sims. Do you remember him? Uh, uh oh. Wait, he had like uh, one big year and then just kept getting hurt and never really panned out. Okay. Yeah, I drafted him. There's one uh, I, I think I drafted Chad Ochocinco or Hujmanzada when he was like falling apart. Oh god, it was the worst. Uh, we were four rounds in and I had to recover completely and then probably by like week four i'm like it's a it's a lost cause i mean nothing can save this team speaking of saving your team i want to talk about some running backs here guys that we can plant our flags on and kind of talk about some things you know after the obvious names at the top you know after saquon and and christian mccaffrey zeke and kamara and mixon i want you to break down we're going to talk about some of the crucial names here for 2020 not just for dynasty but for redraft you know let me know what you think of of their prospects for this year and obviously the value that they have in dynasty because we are both you know dynasty minds the first one you know you got him in the dynasty happy hour staff league and you know i wish i wish i had more shares of him clyde edwards hilaire is going at the 105 you know according to dlf adp is that worth it to you i mean is that a, we we have kareem hunt at the pinnacle of kareem hunt he went at 108 after what you know 1800 yards 13 touchdowns 60 receptions is Clyde Edwards Hilaire worth the 105 and what are you doing with him where would you be willing to take him in redraft the 105 is tough for me and god I mean you're pretty much paying for ceiling there you're you're hoping that he's Saquon because like Saquon was going 112 in in his rookie year so yeah you're pretty much paying for Edwards Hilaire to pan out because if he does pan out he ain't moving up because these other guys are studs I mean he might make it to three, but you're not getting by McCaffrey. You're not getting by. You're not getting by uh, Barkley. Nope. That ain't happening. Uh, Jonathan Taylor. I'd rather go like wide receiver than Taylor in the second or something like that. But yeah, 105 is way too expensive in ADP for for Edwards Hilaire for me. I think in our in our staff league, 
I got him in the fifth round. I think middle of the fifth yeah, round is where did. I got him. And that was quite a reach for me. I was like sitting there. I'm like, God, I mean, what if he doesn't even start? I mean, I'm taking a huge risk here. And this was before NFL draft. And he was like my running back five. So, yeah, when he went to the Chiefs in the first round, it was a huge win. But, yeah, just I don't think 105 is is worth it. I'd rather look at players like uh, I like I'd rather have Eckler in the second or third round because, yeah. I mean, he he's safe. So, yeah, I, I think if I have the choice of Clyde edwards or, say, it's a super flex, if I can get Lamar Jackson or Mahomes or, uh, like, Kyler Murray, I'd probably rather have than edwards right now in yeah, a I'm super glad, flex. Because that's what I've been saying to everybody. I mean, it's a matter of if you're at that spot, it's about trading back or, you know, maybe even moving up just a little bit to make sure you get one of those guys because Edwards-Hilaire is going at his ceiling. Um, I had Aton Mosey on at Dynasty Refinery before the NFL draft, and we did a mock, and I got him at 201 before he went to the Chiefs, you know, and it, moving a guy up that much. I mean, you know, DeAndre Swift was up there at the 101. If he goes to the Chiefs, it, it would have been pure pandemonium. Now we get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, yeah. and they put him into that spot. Where are you comfortable taking him in a redraft? You know, I we got some some redraft listeners in here. Well, I honestly, I, I got in an argument with uh, with a guy on Twitter today about taking him. At, at my pick at 101 and he, he's like are you crazy and i said no because in a redraft if he's there at 106 i'm taking him and yeah at 106 i think one 106 in a redraft i think that is the sweet spot for me because you get past the big five running backs i think camara i'd rather have maybe but i, I mean clad edwards hilaire to me is a he's gonna he's gonna catch a lot of passes He's going to get the ball a lot. I do think they will distribute it in to other people, but I think Edward Slayer is the guy. I love it. Love it. The next guy, and I, I want to break down these names because these are the guys that are going to win you your championship. You know, everybody talks about those big five, but right now, Josh Jacobs, you know, says he wants to have 60 receptions this year, finished in the top 10 as a rookie in pretty much every statistical. I, say, I don't think it matters with him. I mean, he's so good. Like he could, he could catch 30 passes and I think he could, he could almost win win the rushing title. Like, he's that yeah. good. I mean, he was number one in pro football focus for the elusive rate. I mean, everything with Josh Jacobs. But I just got off the Dynasty Refinery, and I was saying there is a top five to eight upside with Josh Jacobs that, you know, people aren't really paying attention to it. What he came out in college, when, when he came out, it was his pass-catching ability that separated him. You know, everybody was comparing him to that. And I feel like the Raiders year one really just held him back a little bit just to keep him in check. He had the shoulder injury. Josh Jacobs right now, I mean, where do you take in him as far as dynasty? What kind of value do you see? And where would you be comfortable taking him in redraft? Dynasty, I would probably take him early second. Because he, like, I don't I don't want to take it from Andy Holloway, but I, I completely agree with him. And Josh Jacobs is a guy that can end up being a top five running back next year in the draft because of what he produces. I mean, we saw nothing but positive from him in his rookie year. I mean, he had a couple injury hiccups, but every time he touched the ball, it seemed like he was gaining five yards or more. And and that's what you want to see out of running back. And I don't think the line for the Raiders was that great, but it was good enough. So if their line even gets a smidge better, yeah, I mean, Jacobs is going to eat. They they don't have Washington there anymore. They do have Richard still, but they do have Lynn Bowden, which I don't think he's going to be strictly a running back. They're going to use him all over. He's a weapon. So... Yeah, I think it's wheels up for Jacobs, and I love his dynasty outlook. He's so young. He he proved everything you want to see. People thought he couldn't hold 
a full workload, but you know what? That dude can hold a full work workload. Yeah. So yeah, I mean Jacobs, Jacobs would be up there with Clyde Edwards Hilaire for me in, in Dynasty and like if I had a choice between the two, it's tough because Jacobs is a better pure runner, but Edwards Hilaire, I mean, he's probably a better pass catcher and a better offense. So I mean, what are you gonna choose? The more talent or the better situation, but still talented. Yeah, I'm telling everybody to right now trade back. You know, if you have uh, like I'm, I, I really believe that when running backs get to that age where we're looking at Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon and Alvin Kamara, if you can trade back and get some extra value and take Josh Jacobs, I mean, the sky is up there and you're going to reset the clock by four or five years. And, you know, I was looking today, you know, the average NFL team was 59% if they were rushing from the one yard line and punching it in the Raiders were at 12% last year. You know, you have to feel like there's some positive regression there. He, he is the guy that's going to get the red zone carries. And if he gets those three extra receptions a game that he was talking about, you're looking at, he would, he would have finished in the top five. If he had those 60 receptions, I feel like he's a great value right now. And I'm just, he's my guy everywhere that I'm trying to tell everybody to go get. Yeah. The next one's the other guy. He's the jersey that's right behind me. And these are the three guys that are real difficult for me to, to separate. And I know we did the Dynasty Happy Hour versus Dynasty Nerds draft. And you took Miles Sanders in that second round. He was going to RB7 in July ADP. Now he's going RB11. Is this an overcorrection? Is this, you know, the fantasy community got too excited and they're correcting themselves? Or does he really belong? You know, where do you see him more in that RB7 or RB11 range? I think it's rookies coming in. I mean, you got to look at people are are in love with Jonathan Taylor. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is the next Zeke to everybody. And I mean, I, I'm going to tell you, like, I love Jonathan Taylor, but I have a, a fear of Wisconsin running backs. I was not a fan of Melvin Gordon. I was not a fan of Monte Ball. Like, they're their offensive line in the big 10 is insane. I watch a lot of big 10 up here and Wisconsin's offensive line all the time is insane. I Taylor's very talented, but he was a three-star guy coming into to college. So, I mean, he's worked his tail off to be as good as he is. So the natural ability isn't there for me. Like, I mean, a five-star, you got to be like God's gift. And that like Deandre Swift has, this unnatural ability other players don't have. Jonathan Taylor, he's got some sweet feet in the holes. I mean, he's got good vision, and that that can help. I mean, De Devonta Freeman was written off for dead in college, and he came in, and his vision was insane in his burst. I mean, you have two great qualities. You can make it as a running back, and Jonathan Taylor, it, I mean, he could he could rush for 1,200 yards as rookie year. Yeah, sure, but exactly you got Marlon Mack. Yeah, I love and the offensive line, you know, going into 2020 yeah. is is projected as the number one offensive line. You know, they were number two last year. Um, and you 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 had said something about, you know, DeAndre Swift. I love Jonathan Taylor, you know, at the price there. But is there a better dynasty value right now than DeAndre Swift? You know, we, we keep telling the narrative no. that he goes there. And I mean, he was the maybe Cam Akers. Yeah, because I mean, Acre people hate Acres, but you know what it's going to take. And I told my friend at work last night, we watched the episode two of Hard Knocks. I said, wait for the episode to come out with Cam Akers and his value is going to go through the roof. I moved I said, him up because of that visor. I mean, <laughs> I mean, just even watching the clips like him, yeah. him, him shooting back and forth, Jalen Ramsey and pass pro like Jalen Ramsey went up against him at pass pro and and Acres like, you know, Ramsey's like, I got him. Akers pushed him aside and says, no, I got you. 
And then Ramsey's just like back and forth. Like he he's not taking any crap. Akers is a very talented player. Yeah. And that's and, a five-star yeah. recruit right there. I mean, obviously the yeah. number one recruit coming in and, you know, uh, people start telling themselves narratives. They're telling themselves a narrative that carry on Johnson's there and Detroit doesn't know how to run the ball, but DeAndre Swift has no legs. Like he's going to be injured. That yeah. That yeah. Brace was nasty looking. I even told my friend, I said, I'm so happy I'm on DeAndre Swift because that brace looked like he didn't even have a real leg. Well, and I talked to my friend who's a doctor and he said braces like that aren't to prevent injuries. It's just for comfort. You know, it's just for him to yeah. stabilize that knee and more for a mental stability, which, you know, as, as far as getting injured, that's something that really can play a, a toll there. But people also tell themselves, you know, obviously the narrative with Cam Akers that, that Henderson's going to be getting the ball and Malcolm Brown and the best running back's going to eat, you know, and in those situations. So- the worst one is his vision. I mean, I would be panicking too if I was getting hit three yards behind the line. And sometimes even before I got the ball. Akers, I mean, the the plays he made on his own were nuts. And Akers, if he has any kind of an offensive line, which I think Whitworth, from what I'm seeing on Hard Knocks, he's teaching Austin Corbett, who's who's still a very young player and a very highly drafted player. Uh, in interior lineman, he he has room to grow. Their offensive line can get better because honestly, it probably couldn't have gotten worse from last year with with Todd Gurley and his inefficiencies. But but Acres, man, I mean, he's a, he's a great pass catcher, and Malcolm Brown is not the pass catcher. No, Daryl Henderson is not the pass catcher. It's going to be Acres. And in fantasy, if you can catch thirty to fifty balls your rookie year, you're going to produce. And Acres is going to have, I think, hundred fifty plus carries. And that's going to make a difference. Akers is going to be a very good running back. Swift, I think, is going like he's going to catch, I think, 70 balls. I would not be shocked. They're going to use him in that Camara role, a James White role, which is huge. And you know what's going to happen? Carrion's going to get hurt. They're going to say, let's give this DeAndre Swift guy 10 more carries. And then they're going to be like, wow, this guy is our guy. I know I scooped him up in every league. I wasn't with you. You know I mean? He, I, you, you were taking him ahead of me and I got him at one Oh seven. I got him at one Oh eight in a draft. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. You know, the value yeah. that's there. I mean, the one draft the guy took Keyshawn Vaughn over him and I'm like, come on. Like, how yeah, do you, you have you that? Kind that. Of, yeah. Um, the other two are a little bit more polarizing here. The guys I want to talk about Kenyon Drake, who obviously, you know, once he got traded to Arizona, he balled out and Austin Eckler. I'm seeing a lot of bouncing back and forth, but he finishes the RB three last year. I saw a stat on Twitter today. If you take away 50 receptions from him, he still finished as the RB7. And in redraft, he's going at RB13, which is just blows my mind. What do you think of those two running backs? So you said Drake and who else? Austin Eckler. Oh, I love Eckler. I, I, I'm i actually buying at his price right now because I think people are starting to fall off on him and thinking you know, that it's going to be Jackson or it's going to be Kelly coming in. But no, I, I love Eckler's value. He He's one of those guys that I think is going to last in the league. And if you can get 70 catches from a player, he's going to be a good RB2 for your team. I mean, if you're in PPR and you get 70 catches, think of that for a wide receiver. You're very happy if that's a receiver. And an Eckler catches 70 balls, running, rushing the ball. Like I'd be more than happy with him having 150, like 120 to 150 rushes. Because he's going to produce. He's a big game guy, or big play guy. He, he he's so quick at just wheel routes. It's he's so good at pass catching, and they showed his tape on Hard Knocks last night and showed him as a rookie. 
and he's gotten so much better as a player yeah. from his rookie year. He used to be that guy you got thrown in on a trade. You know, you get him for a second round pick because he was an afterthought with Melvin Gordon, but he was always catching passes. And yeah, now he's gotten bigger. I mean, obviously the pictures of him, the dude's yoked, you know, and he's yeah. just making people miss in the, in the open field. And I know we all kind of laughed when Stompy took him at 208, but I'm comfortable taking him in the early third now. I mean, because he's going to be around for a while. You know, he's the type of running back yeah. who's not just a flash in the pan. He's going to be catching passes for years. And I saw, I was digging deep here. And like, if you take away the rushing stats, Christian McCaffrey would have finished as the wide receiver 13 this year. And yeah. Austin Eckler would have finished as the wide receiver 17. So you're getting an RB one and a wide receiver one. You can't pass on that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm Eckler's 24 still. He'll be 25. Yeah. He's, he's probably got a good four or five more years in the league. And, and for a running back, that's a lifetime. Yeah, for sure. And the other one was Kenyon Drake. The only, you know, a lot of people are really high on Kenyon Drake. A lot of people are really out on Kenyon Drake. You know, he did. They, they, my buddy got me a cameo of him wishing me a, you know, happy Father's Day, which I thought was super cool. But, you know, where do you see Kenyon Drake? I, he's very polarizing in the Twitter community, and some people swear that he has RB one upside and he's the guy, and other people are like, I'm fading him completely. I mean, the only thing that worries me is his age and injury history. People forget that he's a very often injured player. In Miami, he was injured a lot. Alabama, he was never healthy. That's the reason why he never really, you really saw the full Kenyon Drake is because he's so injured. And, and Drake is a very talented player, and he he's definitely changed his game a little bit. In, in college, he was a speed guy, a big play guy. But he's he's learned to break more tackles and, and play smarter, way, be more patient. And... I liked what I saw last year. And if he's in this offense for three more years, I mean, Drake will be worth where he's going. But if he only is in this one-year deal and then becomes a free agent, I mean, I like Chase Edmonds a lot. I think he's a good running back. And same thing. He's a very often injured player. But when he's when he's healthy, he's outstanding. Well, yeah, and Cliff and, Kingsbury said, came out today and said that this isn't going to be Chase Edmonds as just a backup role. They plan on using him quite a bit. Oh, yeah. And, I mean... I feel like he is the biggest buy out of this. I was talking about at the end here, you know, kind of a guy to plant a flag on, but you can get him outside the top 40 right now. And, and he has an opportunity where if Drake, like you said, gets injured, I mean, Edmonds is going to take over and could win that job, you know, and this is an offense that you want players in there. I think with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and the way Kingsbury's doing things, it's going to be a fun offense. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And like I said, if, if Drake's in this offense, they get him long-term. Yeah, he's, he's worth the price, but I don't know about another team because I think he fits perfect with this team. And yeah, it'll be interesting if he goes into free agency next year to see if he lands with a team like, like Jacksonville. Like if he goes to Jacksonville, how much is that going to fall and just decrease his value? Yeah, probably I, a ton. I look at it very similar to like Derrick Henry situation is you're not willing to buy until they get the contract. And then you're like, yeah. they fit perfectly into that scenario but they don't necessarily fit in, in other situations. And I mean, that, like I said, we did our deep dive for stats, but I mean, the Derrick Henry stat that, that blew my mind, including the playoffs, 1,688 yards after contact this year. 82% of his yards were after contact. I mean, that just, that blew my mind when I found that. I mean, that's just it's, it's because he got, he got hit behind the line every time. And then he just takes off. He's like, he's like, if you slap a bull in the ass, I mean, he's going to, he's just going to start running downhill. 
Exactly. <laughs> so uh, the next part I want to talk about, and this is the part where we got a little interactive here with Twitter, is just values of the veteran running backs. You know, um, when we first, when I first started in Dynasty in 2015, it was all about get those wide receivers early, and some people still, you know, prescribe to that, and they're willing to buy it's some so running weird backs. Weird to late. think about that. Like I know, it I know was it was all like, receivers. Right. It was OBJ. It was Evans. It was all those guys. But now those guys are older. You know, and now we're waiting for that next crop of the DJ Moores and That's the AJ true, Browns yeah. to work themselves into that scenario. But if you still prescribe to that, let's talk about some running backs here that you can add for potentially a late first and and can really take your dynasty team over the top and win some of them championships because that's what it's all about. You know, I know a lot of people late hold on to those late first, but I did a Twitter poll and just kind of asking where these guys fell. We're going to talk about the poll a little bit and then we'll talk about, you know, what kind of outlook you have for them. Um, the first one is Leonard Fournette. You know, 48% of you guys said that you're willing to spend a mid first, 38% a late first, 14% said they would not even give a first round pick for Leonard Fournette. Out of, you know, the running back ones of the last three years, there's only three guys that have been RB ones back to back and it's Fournette, Kamara and Zeke and Kamara and Zeke are going top five to seven and you can get Leonard Fournette in the third, fourth round. I mean, I did the FFPC. I got him in the fifth. Talk to me about Leonard Fournette. Is that a guy you're willing to buy for a contender? You know, obviously with the touchy situation there in Jacksonville, is he worth that kind of money to you? Oh God, I don't think so. I'm not a Fournette guy. I, I had him. I had one share of him and I traded it because I just, he's one of those players I don't like owning. Like Odell Beckham is another player where I, he's a very talented player. I hate owning him because the game you don't start him, he puts up eight points. The game you you or the game you do start him, he puts up eight. The game you don't, he puts up forty eight. And yeah. then just I'm happy to sell my last share of Odell Beckham. I in the uh, rookie draft, I got DeAndre Swift in a first for Odell Beckham, and I was like smash except on that. Yeah, one. yeah, that, that's a great trade, and and it's kind of like that with with Fournette because I mean is his pass catching's there, but he's not a good pass catcher. And it, the stats prove it. He's not a great pass catcher. I mean, it's like catch the pass, then what? Three, four yards. Yeah. Like he doesn't go anywhere and what it is, could be the offense. It was, it was fourth in targets last year. And he's like the, the only running back, like there was seven running backs in the last 10 years that got the kind of workload that he did with the 250 plus carries and the hundred plus targets. And they all finished RB1, RB2, or R, the worst other than him was RB5. And he finished at RB7 or RB9, depending on league format, with that much usage. I mean, yeah. That- and he, he's, he was super talented in college, but I just think the lower body injuries are really taking a toll on him. His running style taking a toll on him. So with, with me, Fournette is definitely an avoid. He's a guy that I don't want any part of. If I'm taking that first rounder, I'm going to take one of those young receivers. You know, give me, give me a guy like Jefferson or Rager and, and I'll take, and I'll wait on him because I think you could get more for Fournette. So I, I, I like the poll, but I'm, I'm going to have to decide on that. If it was me personally, I would look elsewhere for a running back. Yeah. This is the reason to put the poll out there. And I want to do like, well, let's think about it as all the, the rookie drafts are done. And we're, we're talking about, you got a 2021 first here and it's a matter okay. of, in in season, all of these guys, their value is going to be the most expensive. We know that running yes. back, running back veterans in season. If you're going to flip them, it's in season. It's not now. You're not especially this year. Exactly. I mean, somebody somebody drops down with COVID, you know, and they're out for three four weeks. You your RB two, your flex starter at running back is gone. Like, say you yeah. got bye weeks coming up, and you're like, crap, I have nobody. Like yeah. that 
you're, you're going to be able to sell. I'm telling people running backs early and often, you know, and get those IR stash spots on there for your running backs because, you know, buddy of mine in our redraft, he's like, I'm taking Zeke 101 because he already got COVID. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, you can't take him over McCaffrey just because we don't even know about COVID if that's something you can yeah. cannot get again. But, um, you know, that's a great point. So we're just trying to say, you know, if you had this pick, is this a guy you're willing to invest in for you, Fournette? is a guy that you're fading completely. You know, Twitter says yeah. 48% would sell for a mid first. So if you guys can get a mid first for Leonard Fournette, I'm all about that. You know, I do. Oh really God, mid first. And this year's class coming up. I mean, you got every single stud receiver that was going to be a highly drafted player. They're coming out. I mean, people are already coming out saying I'm skipping out 2020 college, no matter what happens. And I'm going to train for the NFL draft. I mean, you yeah. got duds coming out for receivers people are willing to I, I keep seeing it on twitter people are like well i'm a little worried about the 2021 class because there's no ncaa season i'm gonna start moving them picks do not do that guys i mean these guys are studs that are coming out i mean you know you got chase and bateman and obviously lawrence i mean etienne chuba there's so many great players i would coming out this i year. would trade every running back but swift taylor and edwards Hilaire for jamar chase next yep. year like that's how good jamar chase I'm so is. excited for him so excited uh the next guy we want to talk about is chris carson so 15 percent of you guys are said you're willing to pay a mid first and by the way i'm selling that all day uh 50 said late first 35 percent are saying less than a first round pick when chris carson's on the field you know he's a top top 10 running back for sure the fumbles are a bit of a worry are you willing to pay yeah, let's go with it looks like a late first is what 50% of people are saying. What would you pay for Chris Carson on a contender? On a contender, I'd probably go early second, but that's I mean, once again, it's the same as for net. They they're pretty much the same player for me, except I think Carson might be more electric. And that that's it crazy to say because he was a sixth round, seventh round pick. Uh, yeah, Carson is a bulldozer. He does not care about his body, and it shows with his injury history. Yeah, he's not long for the league. I mean, that part's no. obvious, but there isn't much else there. I mean, Hyde's the backup now. Hopefully, you know, you get Penny coming Dallas. out with Pup, DJ Dallas. Yeah, there's a lot of guys there that just not quite proven, but Carson, when he's on the field, puts up numbers. It's just a matter of you're going to be paying a first-round pick for a guy who could be out of a job. I mean, those fumbles are really starting to add up. Yeah, and I mean Hyde is like the new Fred Jackson, and I it's like where, wherever yeah. he goes, he's just gonna produce just enough to annoy you. So yeah, I would not sleep on Hyde being there and just being like, "Oh, Carson's fine." I th I think they're gonna use Hyde more than we think because I think they like Carson, they want him to stay healthy, and they want him to produce. So I. I think his is, I mean, Carson's a guy who needs volume and I think his volume is going to go down. Even if it's just a tad, it still makes a difference for Chris Carson. So if I can get Carson for an early second, yeah, I'd be all about that, especially on a contender. Yeah. So like I said, I like to take these Twitter polls and I like to look at them. I mean, if 15% of the people are willing to pay a mid first, I'm doing that all day. 50% are paying a late first. I'm doing that. But you know, it kind of gives you an idea of both ends, what you can possibly get for a guy or what you can possibly buy him for, you know, so you want to be on those ends. The next guy, we might argue a little bit here. Todd Gurley is looking at, you know, only 12% of people are willing to pay a mid 56% are late 32% surprisingly won't even pay a first round pick for Todd Gurley. I think he's, I know you're an Atlanta fan. I think he's absolutely going to eat this year with just an extreme workload because he's on a one-year deal. They're not worried about the knee as much. What yeah. do you think? What do you think of Todd Gurley this year? You know, I, I'm personally excited. 
I just want him to be healthy because if he's healthy, he's going to destroy this year. He's going to win championships. The The issue is, is his legs might just be 80 years old. Like he could have the, the, he could have the, the half of what, you know, the old guy from family guy is like <laughs> the old creepy. Yeah. Just, I, I just it's so confusing. Cause you hear stories like Gurley's legs are not great. And then you hear like, Oh, he's a hundred percent. He's doing great. in walkthroughs. It, it's so tough because it, it can win you a league. And the thing is, is can, are you going to take the chance? I have bought Gurley for like two seconds in a home league. Cause people, you know, hear this news and there they'll jump on off board and, I just I bought him in a couple of places just because I want to root for him because he's on my I'm on, on my team. I know I've got a year or two left with him. I didn't pay much for him, but I mean, if I can give a second rounder in 2021 and a second rounder in 2022, I'd be more than happy to do that because I think the production will be there because I don't think Brian Hill is going to to also vulture anything from him if he's healthy. I don't think Edo Smith is. There's going to be value with Todd Gurley and. And honestly, if you're going to find that value in the next two years, second rounders, I mean, you are way better at this than I am. Because if you can find players that are going to win you a title, potentially, yeah, I yeah, I need to find, find a new that, hobby. Yeah, you can't find that kind of hit rate like you're going to get with Todd Gurley. And it, it yeah. may not be sexy. It might not be exciting like it was last year. But he finished the RB13 last year. And I bought him, I bought him for the 111 on a championship run because I lost Jacobs to injury. And I was like, I'm going to you know, go with Gurley and I'm still happy. I mean, if I can get RB 13 and I can get a potential RB one again this year from him for a late first, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about, so I hit some of these other ones and probably not getting to every single percentage here, but looks like split the whole way across the board on Melvin Gordon, you know, 33% almost the whole way across between mid to late to early second. Where do you, what would you pay for Melvin Gordon? It seems like, I mean, from the poll, people are much higher on Melvin Gordon than Todd Gurley, which surprises me. I'd give a mid-second for Melvin Gordon. Uh, the issue is, is, I mean, what I legit thought of right when he went there and what I think when everybody goes to Denver, how are you going to do with that air? Because that yeah. air makes a difference. And Melvin Gordon is not doing well with the air. And, I mean, you got you to remember that. There's a lot of players in the league that that have sickle cell, potentially, or they just can't handle the pressure of the air up there. Yeah. So Melvin Gordon could be a guy that gets 15 touches a game. And I mean, for Melvin Gordon, will that do it? No. I, no. Th- I think it's going to be more of a split than we think because Melvin Gordon's going to get a lot more tired than we're used to. And that can affect him. So yeah, I, I have, I'd say mid to late second for me. Yeah, it's going to favor Lindsay because he's used to it a little bit more. And everybody yeah. feels like it's going to be like a 70-30. And I feel like we could be in for a 60-40 type split. So, I, yeah, I like that. The news came out today on Le'Veon Bell that Adam Gase wants to lighten his load. You know, and Le'Veon Bell last year needed that load. I mean, that was what it was. It was all volume. Uh, 42% said they're willing to pay a late first. 50% willing to pay a second on a contender. What are you thinking about Lev Bell? And, man, does this seem like talking about guys like Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell for second round picks, but it seems like where they belong. Yeah. I'd, I'd give a second for Lev Bell. I actually in an auction league in uh in my first dynasty league, I, we talked about how I first started. We just got done with our free agency, free agency auction. And, and we're at the point where free agents are going to cost more because the, the rookie salary is kind of becoming more of the norm because the league's been together since 2009 so yeah, um, 
I spent fifty dollars on Love Bell, and I and I slapped a year on him because heck, if I can get an RB two RB three for one year, in a year with COVID, that that's I'm all about that because you're going to need to use him in a pinch. Yeah. He's a guy that's going to be safe. He's going to get six catches a game, probably like forty yards a game. Hopefully, gets a touchdown, but he's also going to have that rushing. I mean, even if it's twenty carries for sixty yards, I mean, you're getting. 12 points from a running back and that's not all bad in a year like this year when you need depth and so if you can get love bell who i still think has potential then the potential to be an rb and a high-end rb2 yeah give give me that for a second round because like like we keep talking about i mean it, are you gonna find a player like that in the second round next year are you that confident you gotta yeah. you gotta remember that in trades is these picks are going to have players' names on them. People were scared to give a late first. Now, Keyshawn Vaughn, a lot of people like, but he was 112 in a lot of leagues. Are you comfortable saying, like, okay, I, I would have kept Keyshawn Vaughn over Todd Gurley or Leb Bell? I mean, are, are you asking yourself that in season? I mean, you're probably wishing you would have done the trade. And with the the switch in that dynasty mentality, like we're talking about, I mean, when it first came out, I mean, C.D. Lamb five years ago would have been considered up at the top of that you know, in those same breath as those running backs because the way people looked at things, but the running backs get pushed up. I mean, you know, there are is situations where I'm seeing Keyshawn Vaughn go over or Jerry Judy, you know, and they're moving into that situation. And it's just like, Oh yeah, it makes me cringe big time. I mean, I'm just, I, I can't even look at it, but it, you understand what I'm saying is like, you guys are talking about, we're talking about buying production from a running back. And I was yeah. in an auction league. I got Lev Bell at a $1,500. I got him for $60. I'm comfortable. He's my RB four. You know, you throw them in there at flex on some weeks. You have them as it's a little bit of depth. And with COVID, that's going to be huge. So there's a player that you do have on this list that we're going to mention that I would take over everybody. Yeah. And that is Singletary. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Singlet- Singletary has the youth right. and he has the production from last year. He has everything. So, so you want to say something, so I'll let no, you know. I was, I was breaking Those were the veterans and, you know, it's Connor, Dave, David Johnson, same kind of thing. Those guys, you know, they're, they're a little bit long in the tooth. You're not going to get much more than a year here, yeah. but the other guys, you know, and I, I changed it up a little bit, Singletary, Montgomery and Kareem Hunt. You know, those are guys that you can buy for late first. I know you love Singletary. You know, I made the trade to, uh, by the way, Madison ends up being the starter like right after, or the Dalvin Cook holdout comes out right afterwards. But, you know, you and I made that deal. What was it? Uh, Chris Godwin for Cup, Madison, Cup, and Madison Singletary. And Singletary. And I needed depth. My team was very, very upper tier friendly. Like I had like two players at each position. Mm-hmm. At running back, I think I had one. I had cook and then everywhere else it's like one player. And then I'm pretty much hoping. So when you got, when, when the COVID thing started to get more real and my thought for my leagues is I like depth. I mean, I may not have these studs, but if I can get depth at a position like a running back or even receiver where you can start receivers and so get 16 points from them weekly and you're not getting those boom games, but I mean, you're still getting an even spread of 16 points. I mean, I'm all about that this year. So, yeah, doing that trade, Singletary to me, I, I, Zach Moss is a huge thing for everybody else. Not so much me. I do think he will vulture touchdowns, but I think Singletary is a thousand yard rusher easily behind that offensive line and that offense. He's easily a thousand yard rusher. 
Well, and there were games last year where, I mean, he he ran for over five yards per carry on the season. Yeah. And there were games where you'd see he'd have 70 yards, but he didn't touch the ball in the first half. Yeah, like you know, five right? touches or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he ends up, and, and I mean, he just, he did the most there. And people are acting like because Zach Moss got drafted there that we need to drop him down. And, you know, in that particular deal, I traded him because I have, I was trying to go from depth to a little bit more of a stronger because I feel like I'm a yeah. contender. but. Um, yeah, Singletary is definitely worth a late first, and I'm seeing people buy him for that. What about David Montgomery? You know, David Montgomery lost a lot of weight here. You know, he got got shredded, and this is the kind of year where that's what is, you like to see. Yeah, this is the post hype sleeper. You know, last year we saw a couple of videos, and everybody bumped David Montgomery way up. Now he's you know working out with the footwork guru. He's gonna get. I mean, he had 242 t- carries last year, 25 receptions. He's probably the cheapest guy you can get that's pr- guaranteed 240, 250 touches because there is not a lot there in Chicago, but it is a boring offense. Yeah. So, so Montgomery, he's a, he's a talented guy. I won't say very talented, but he's a, he's a talented guy. The issue with Montgomery is he's got to break through the offensive line before he can break through tackle. Because I mean, the offensive line was terrible and they, they needed to get better. That offense is terrible. And I hope Nick Foles starts because Allen Robinson needs a savior for once in his life. And Anthony Miller, and and I mean Cole Komet because he's going to to tear it up when he gets the chance. But Montgomery, it, it's funny that you mentioned that because I don't think it was the footwork he needed to work on. I mean he's he's a very shifty player. He's he's got sweet feet through the hole, and he's a guy that can catch the ball at the backfield. And I love I, I this is the first time I actually heard of him losing weight, and I love that for a running back of his style. Yeah, he cut his right. body fat down in half. I mean, I think it was from 16% down to 8. So he's trying to get a little bit quicker and and trying to, you know, be able to burst through those holes. Yeah. And, wh- and that was talk- the issue with this tape. And what I saw on tape last year and the reason why Miles Sanders was higher is because he didn't have that initial burst. When you get the ball, you want to see a running back see the hole he wants and go through it. Like like we talked about with Freeman. Freeman was really good at that. Like he, he had great vision. Once he saw where he wanted to go, he took off. Like it was like you could snap your fingers and he was already five yards past the line. And that's what you need as a running back. And I think Montgomery had that initial burst. So if he fixed that, I would love to buy Montgomery. I mean, I don't own him anywhere. And, and I mean, if you can get him for an early second, that's great value. Cause he will get the touches. Cohen will still get his in the passing game, but if that offense can kind of change their identity and be just better, I mean, Montgomery should be better himself. Yeah. And, and we're trying to free Allen Robinson. My first episode was underrated wide receivers and there is nobody more underrated in value than Allen Robinson. I talked on, um, I was on P2W the other day and I was talking about has Brandon cooks, you know, he went from, he goes from Drew Brees to Tom Brady, yeah. Jared Goff to, you know, now Deshaun Watson. And we're like, man, what if Allen Robinson got this? You know, he goes from Blake Bortles to Mitch Trubisky, you know, and it's like yeah. Allen Robinson, when you and I first started was the man, you know, he was a first round startup in the slop time and he's just such a good wide receiver and he deserves better than what he's getting. But, Oh, I, I, I should go bust up my, my Jacksonville Jaguar Allen Robinson Jersey, because he was, he was the guy that, I mean, Matt, Matt Harmon, He's he's he was on he was on Robinson before anybody. But I when I saw him play at Penn State, I said, this guy is going to be somebody I'm going to get in the second round everywhere. And I think I had 70 percent ownership back when we started. And I I traded Emmanuel Sanders straight up for him in a league and people thought I was crazy. And then the next year he blew up for 14 and 1414. 
Yeah, I mean, our year was nuts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, he's just been unlucky. But man, I think he's one of the most talented receivers in the league. And yeah, if he can just get a quarterback, say, I don't know, next year, he's still only 27 years old next. Well, he'll be 28 in the season, but that's still prime receiver years. And I still think he's got a lot of football to play. So according to 28 on Twitter, you're, you're ancient, you know, and I don't even want to say what my age yeah. is, but wide receiver values just keep dropping to that. And it's a trend where I'm willing to buy some of those guys for contenders because you're getting a discount. Yeah. Give me Julio. Absolutely. For a late first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and then the last guy on here is, is Ronald Jones, and he's very polarizing as well. A little bit of a post-high sleeper, but he's starting to get a little bit more play here now. You know, obviously Keyshawn Vaughn, um, you know, missing time. Do you like Ronald Jones? Is he worth a second in your opinion? I mean, obviously you're not paying a first for him. Some of the guys in my listener league are like all about Ronald Jones, and they feel like this is his year. But he did have 700 yards and, and six touchdowns last year. What do you think of Ronald Jones? It's funny because uh, everybody probably knows that I loved Ronald Jones his rookie year and the following year, but his price was so good then. Now, I I don't like the route he's going with his career. He's ganged. He, he's like 225 now. I'm not a fan of that. What I liked about Rojo with, was his athleticism, his speed, his explosiveness. And honestly, if you gang, uh, he's probably ganged 25 pounds since entering the league. If you yeah. gang that much weight, you're losing a lot of that. And if you're losing a lot of that, even from what I saw last year, he he didn't have that juice that he had in college, that that other gear. And I I just I'm not liking the route he's going. So I'm actually off of Rojo, which is insane for me to say because I I was buying all of it. I mean, if he's 215. I'm more happy with that weight, but the fact that he's above 220 playing at that weight when when he looked like he could not carry 220 when he came into the league, like he looked like a guy that that's what he is. He's 205, and that's the highest he's getting. But man, if he's 225, I just don't know. I don't know how he's going to play like yeah. with his there style that he guys, played in college. Some guys that put on that weight, and it's like it was necessary. And one guy I know you're big on this year, and I know we're switching to wide receiver here a little bit. But Hollywood Brown, I mean, put up twenty, put on twenty three pounds of muscle, and I was listening today about his workout regimen and and how much you know food and and protein he's taking in he's and everything. Busting like that. his still, butt, he's still running four three, and I, I'm all about buying those wide receiver ones as your wide receiver three on your team. I know you've been buying him up a little bit. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about you know what you're thinking of Hollywood Brown? I mean, just listening to smart people and. Looking at reception perception, uh, Matt Harmon knows what he's talking about with receivers and looking at his reception perception. I mean, it's green everywhere. The guy ran crisp routes. He was winning everywhere. He He's a guy that is comparable to Tyreek Hill, but he doesn't have the size. Tyreek Hill's a guy that is just built so thick for well, his size. Yeah, that's the thing it, with Brown is now he, I mean, seeing pictures of him now with that extra 23 pounds, he came into the league at like 160, 165. Yeah, and he dropped you know? down to 140-ish. And, and right. That, you can't play at that in the no. NFL. And he was, um, you know, if you take those first four games, a lot of these younger undersized receivers, you know, they start out hot because they're fresh and their legs are still good. And I feel like, you know, the way he started, if those first four games, you extrapolate that out, you're looking at 64 receptions over a thousand yards, over 10 touchdowns. And that's the kind of ceiling that he has, but he was undersized and he got banged up and he played injured most of the year. And I feel like if he stays healthy, you know, 
sky's the limit for a guy like that in that offense. And the, and the thing is, is I know we talk bad about Antonio Brown and kind of where he's going, but if he's got the work regimen as Antonio Brown used to have when he was with Pittsburgh, that's what you want to see in a receiver, a receiver that just wants to be better, wants to, wants to be the best. And you see that with Hollywood, you see a guy that is work like ganging 23 pounds of muscle is so difficult and just he's pretty much putting everything he has into his career right now and that's what you want to see i'm all about it he's got great hands i mean you watched a video on twitter of him berlin marlon humphrey who's a fantastic corner i mean he fooled him and like i said reception perception shows he's a fantastic route runner and that's what i like to see out of a player and lamar jackson hopefully he gets better as a thrower every year going forward so yeah hollywood is a guy i'm buying yeah and that's a, an a, an area of a guy putting on weight and it being positive and running yeah. backs it it's it's very difficult to kind of do those kind of things um you know i want to try to keep you close to that hour mark and i really appreciate you coming on here why don't you give the listeners one guy outside the top 40 running backs who's kind of a guy that you're going to plant your flag on that you know could be a league winner for somebody oh god that's tough um Alexander Madison looked really good in, in camp from what I've seen. Uh, he looks like he's lost a little weight and he looks explosive, but I wouldn't go there because I think Cook is going to get a ton of carries. Um, I, I like Darrington Evans a lot. If he gets any pass catching work, I think they're going to see something special. And he's a guy that could just pretty much take all the pass catching away from Derrick Henry. And I mean, he could get 50 catches because Tannehill loves that. They've so, been missing uh, that too. I mean, Tennessee has yeah. been missing that pass catching running back. I love it. Um, thanks again for coming on. You know, I appreciate it. I respect you. You know, you're one of the premier people in the industry. So I appreciate you taking that time. Why don't you tell everybody, um, you know, where they can find you, anything that you got, you know, going on here. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you can find me at dynastyhappyhour.com and on Twitter at DHH underscore Tyler. We got the pod. We got a bunch of pods coming. Um, a lot of good content from you and the writers. I mean, I it's insane how the, the switch has flipped. I mean, we were in July, early July, and people were, were struggling with content. Then it's like you you kind of bring in a new guy, and then the new guy starts firing some up, and then it, it kind of promotes within, like, hey, you know, we can do this. Let's start writing. Hey, this article had this. I want to write about the opposite player on the opposite side of the field. And, and you just keep, and you grow together and that's, what's awesome to see in our group, uh, at dynasty happy hours, just, you know, our group got bigger, but it got better and it made everybody who's in the group better. And I mean, people are just firing at all cylinders there and it's, um, it's amazing to see it still it leaves me flat flabbergasted a little bit. Yeah, that new blood in there. I mean, obviously, you know, so many new guys have joined in there, but they're putting out great content and they're excited to to put it out there. I mean, you see it in the group chat. They're trying to push it and we're, we're talking about all kinds of new different things. So it's ex- exciting things going on at Dynasty Happy Hour. You guys should check them out, DynastyHappyHour.com. And thanks again, Tyler, for coming on. Really appreciate it. You guys, thanks again for tuning in to the Dynasty Dad podcast. Enjoy the process. Thank you, man. I appreciate it.